One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Hello, and welcome, welcome to, to the Degenerates. Oh, you we jumped on my welcome. Together. I thought we were going to do it together. <laughs> All right, ready? All right. One, well, two, three. Well, welcome to, to the, the Degenerates. Yeah, see all the fun stuff we can do right <laughs> <laughs> That's why we need him here. We fucked this shit up. All right. Hey, uh, he's not in studio because he's actually up in LA today. Bobby, what's he doing? He's interviewing somebody from a band called CKY. Dave, yeah. do you have any idea what this band is? I actually don't. I know that I've heard of them. I know Ryan's going to love this. We're yeah, talking about we don't know the band up top. I know. But and he loves them. Yes, this is he's a, big a huge deal. fan. Yeah, he's interviewing yeah, yeah. the singer, yeah, I, which is cool. I mean, they've got a big fan base. If Ryan loves them, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Uh-huh. Uh, interview coming up. Yeah, so he's going to talk to him a little bit uh, up in L.A., and then we'll jump back uh, here to San Diego to me and Dave at the very end here. Just all over the West Coast, man. Yeah, but before we do, we have a very interesting event coming up in which all the degenerates are present. Yes. Uh, you guys probably heard about Ryan's last comedian fight. Is that what they're called? The Comic fight? I don't comedy know. Comedy brawl? Sure. Bitch slap fest? <laughs> <laughs> He's doing another one, and he's again facing Damian Mercado, only this time, I think they're doing it a little bit better. I think they're doing an actual boxing ring, and they're wearing 16-ounce gloves. I think Ryan- yeah, the first one, although it was fun, the bouncy house yes. was no match if for- If only somebody realized that would be a horribly stupid idea beforehand and warned everybody. But yes, that was a horribly stupid yeah, idea. Yeah, we need someone like that, I think, we, just in our we, circle. We need somebody that constantly recognizes bad ideas and points them out to the completely fruitless adventures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so uh, Ryan's going to do that again, again against Damian Mercado, and there's going to be a couple other comedians there and believe it or not Dave and I are actually going to be the fight announcers yeah. so we'll be the I'll be Joe Rogan you'll be Mike Goldberg because I hate Mike Goldberg so. well we both get to do DMT though right yes all right okay During as long as that's show. yeah so it's going to be Monday November 18th yeah uh, doors at 7 weigh-ins at 7.30 fights at 8 yeah. although we're going to be doing commentary the whole time with the weigh-ins it's going to be great you guys should at least come it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. If those of you guys who've heard Ryan's background as an ex-MMA fighter and want to come out and actually see him punch somebody, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, also, it'll be neat to watch a bunch of uncoordinated comedians slap at each other uh, <laughs> pretty impotently. And then uh, the entire time, Dave and I will make dick jokes. Yeah. That sounds about right. So again, that is November 18th, a Monday. Surprising day for a show, I know, but we're letting you know this far in advance so that you can schedule that day out. So get the babysitters, plan to be off work the next day, go buy a 30-pack beforehand. We're going to have a really fun (laughs) night. It's going to be great. All right, Dave, other than that, you got anything else coming up you want to plug? I don't know. Maybe. All right, go ahead and check out Nerd Night first Tuesday of every month, which will be before that show, and make sure you set your calendars for November 18th for that big fight. That's going to be a really, really fun night. And let me just say, last time, tickets sold out. So go ahead and go get your tickets early because uh, this is one you are not going to want to miss, watching uh, watching a bunch of comedians who are most likely heavily intoxicated <laughs> attempt to fight one another is going to be quite humorous. Yeah, they worked out. all the bugs out the first time, so this one's going to yeah. be pretty good. Don't come out thinking you're seeing an MMA fight. Come out thinking you're seeing a comedy show physically acted out in <laughs> front of you with untalented, except for Ryan, untalented people trying to learn how to Ooh, fight. Ooh, that stings for this Damien will, You know what this bit. is? This is the karaoke of fighting. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to get up on stage in front of a bunch yes. of people and pretend that I Absolutely. can. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, so that should be really fun. But for now, let's head on up to LA uh, and listen to Ryan with CKY's lead singer. 
Hey guys, this is Ryan Shores. I'm in uh, right now North Hollywood, as D Dave and Bobby might have just uh, introed. Uh, as you guys know, a long time ago I stopped having uh, guests on regularly, and I only have a guest on if their body of work means a lot to me. Oh, uh, today, I think I kind of raised the bar for myself. Uh, this guy is possibly one of my top three favorite songwriters of all time. Uh, you're going to make me cry, dude. <laughs> from CKY and World Under Blood, Mr. Darren Miller, everybody. Hi. Hello. Thanks for being on, man. Uh, it's an, uh, it's, I'm honored. Seriously, that, that that's really cool what you just said. We got a we got a long career to go over, so I want to yeah. get started. Um, I actually want to take it way back because um, you started off in Westchester, Pennsylvania, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you weren't born there. You were no. you were born in New Jersey, was it? No, I was born in Pennsylvania. I was okay. actually born in Chester, which is the armpit of America. All right. It's actually a, a big giant dumpster. <laughs> they may have cleaned it up by now, but I doubt it. You've not been back? Uh, actually, yeah. You have to drive uh, through Chester to get from Westchester, Pennsylvania to Marlton, New Jersey when I would take those trips. Yeah, it's a, it's a dump. At, right there at the Crozier Hospital. Um, yeah, I was born there, and uh, it's not pretty. Were you one of those guys that uh, always wanted out of where, where? No, no. You know what? I wanted out of Marlton, New Jersey. Okay. Where? So I guess my answer. I'm going to retract my answer. Yeah, I wanted out of of Marlton, New Jersey, because um, it was difficult growing up there. It was a very, very sports related. Uh, place everybody my age was just into sports, and I it wasn't my bag. You know, I was just into music, like obsessed with it. And I was in my room constantly, and that freaked out my parents. So my dad would would force me, you know, lovingly. I I see now, but he would force me into sports, and I just wasn't any good. And then I had to deal with more, you know, feeling outcasted on a team, on a soccer team, on a basketball team, on Around a baseball team. Around what age are you when this is happening? Uh, 12, 10, 11, 12, 13. Okay. So after that, you, you, you go over to, to uh, Westchester. Yeah, my dad gets promoted. We, we moved to Westchester. What did he do? He worked uh, for New York Life. Okay. And, and retired about maybe 10 years ago. And uh, he, he worked his way up. He was a bagger at Shop Shopping Bag mm. and um, ended up being top of uh, New York Life in New York City. So he, he knew what he was doing. Okay. Uh, he never really told us what he did, but as far as I could gather, he used to. He was go a mobster. Over phone call. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he was probably mobbed in up. a way because I think he used to go over phone calls for people that were trying to cash in on life insurance okay. to make sure there was they didn't say anything that would make them ineligible. He's sitting there like, say yeah. suicide, say yeah. suicide. Exactly. Yeah, but he never he never really told me that because I think that he would have thought that I would have found that a little bit offensive. Okay. All right. But I wouldn't have. I mean, I know people try to sh cheat insurance, but. I, when I try to collect insurance, legit doesn't happen anyway. So yeah, they don't make money by paying people out. Right. Yeah. So you get to Westchester. How uh, how soon before you meet your future drummer Jess? Okay. Um, I moved to uh, Westchester in the summer of '91, which means I had the entire summer. It was like May. I had just gotten out of ninth grade. My grades were terrible. They weren't enough to take me to tenth grade. So my mom oh, really? had to talk to. Yeah, my mom had to have a conversation. First, I had to pick what school I was going to go to. Whether I was going to go to Garnet Valley or Westchester East High School, because I was on the cusp of the two school districts, and I chose East. No reason at all. So we went to the school. Uh, my mom said he has to go to tenth grade, and they said, "Okay, that's fine, but he's got to make up all his freshman classes." 
because I literally had four F's and two D's. Oh wow! In freshman, yes, my girlfriend did most of my homework, and I slept through the classes. <laughs> but then, um, summer '91, I spent the whole summer in my room. I bought an amp off of um, this guy that I really looked up to, who was in a. Um, I still do actually. His name's Tom Cunningham. He was in a uh, death metal band because Jersey was death metal. Okay. The, they had a, a death metal scene, kind of like what Florida had, but it was smaller. But it still had some good bands and i ended up becoming friends with tom cunningham from nocturnal fear um because we had the same guitar teacher so i i bought his um crate half stack off of him Mm. and he would come over there was a couple times he came over to where i was living because i was alone you know he would come over and we would go over some riffs and and jam and stuff like that how long have you been playing guitar at that point uh since i was eight okay march 5th 19th, 1985 I think was okay, my first so you, lesson okay so you've been playing for about five years at this point you're pretty proficient okay yeah and um, you know it was funny because back then this would never happen now with, with cell phones and everything but back then the uh, parents used to if, if there was a new family in town the parents used to send their kids over to the house to, to you know to try to make friends yeah which is a completely awesome and very nice gesture you know? yeah but I took it as like uh, no, you know, they came over and they said, you want to play football or basketball? I'm like, dude, that's really cool, but I'm not into that at all. Yeah. So I didn't talk to them for the rest of the 10 years <laughs> that I was there. But, you know, I should have I should have just said, yeah, why not? But I was so hooked to the guitar and um, getting better. And I was, I was, I tried to start a band in New Jersey before I left, but it just wasn't happening. So I was determined that by the time I started my new school year, I was going to find a band immediately, and okay. I did. Um, in my business math class, I met Dave Williams, who ended up being a drummer. And then uh, I met, there was a girl I had a crush on uh, who showed, told me about um, John Teague, who became my bass player. He's now married to that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was Rich Vose, who would be uh, probably one of the only mainstays in my life up till couple years ago but uh we formed a band called this end up and i was on top of the world cloud nine we rehearsed a lot um did a demo which we used from the money that we won from a battle of the bands which was one of the greatest days of my life yeah because i never even thought you know start a band practice we get into the battle of the bands okay that was the coolest thing in the world just Mm -hmm. to get in then winning dude i was like cloud nine mm-hmm. that, that was the motivation that kind of spurred me on to say i can do something even though people are telling me i i probably won't okay you know i had i couldn't i couldn't even make a list of the people that are that told me don't even bother well, going for this. in the arts everyone's yeah. going to be telling you yeah that. they're going to say you, you know i remember my guidance counselor i was called in because i had a cannibal corpse butchered at birth t-shirt mm-hmm. and she said you know don't you know that following people like that is disgusting and um, I, and I responded with, um, though they make more money than you do. <laughs> so that kind of stopped her in her tracks. And I said, look, you know, I, I don't need a backup plan. I don't want a backup plan. I'd rather be homeless than, you know, and trying to do this than somewhere, you know, dividing my time and not focusing 100%. So what happened to that first band? We we went on for a, for a good two, two years, which back then felt like 10 years. Now mm-hmm. two years feels yeah. like five minutes because mm-hmm. it's not the 90s or 95, 96. Now it's like 2000 something. Like nobody <laughs> knows what to call the years, so they kind of blend together. So we're in 19, is that what we say? Yeah. So um, 
we went on. We did. We went from ninety one to ninety four. Then May were off to college, and I. That's where I discovered depression. Oh, so, because your band broke up. Oh, I was devastated. I thought we were on the same page. We're yeah. going to do this until we get discovered. And, and, they, I, and they're, they're, those guys are like, nah, man, this is this is this was high school thing. Now we're off to, to the real world. But the worst thing, exactly. But they didn't put it that way. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that you can do is to half-ass, and I could tell they were half-assing. I, I love the guys to death now. I mean, we're, we're totally cool. But they half-assed it to the point where I finally realized it's like, okay, they're not showing up for practice. I'm the only one here. They don't want to practice. And I had to come to the conclusion that this isn't working anymore. And it devastated me. So before they officially said, we don't want to do this anymore, I found Jess in my, uh, in my uh, math class. Mm-hmm. He was, I was a sophomore and a freshman, maybe, ju- maybe this might've been junior year. Junior year in, in a, a freshman class, and um, he says, "Well, he was a fan. I have actually somewhere there's a videotape of this end up show with with him and Bam moshing." Okay, and I I, I got to find out where that's. I got to ask those old those old bandmates that went off to college and say, you know, uh, we don't want to do this. When CKY was at its height and like opening for Metallica and all this, mm-hmm. did they ever express any like, ah, we should have stuck a no, uh, no, no, oh, no, no. As, as far as I know, I don't think so because what happened was me and John Teague, um, we ended up working on another project that we had, Foreign Objects, and he ended up recording our second album. So we stayed in touch, but anything, if there was any rivalry or like jealousy or anything like that, it, it definitely did. No, I don't. I they didn't, were really cool. But I didn't no, it wasn't mean like necessarily that. rivalry envy or jealousy, or, but envy maybe. No, oh, okay. I don't think so. Well, that's bigger than I, I would have been kicking myself until I was blue, black and blue in the ass. We did have, you know, it's a funny story and I, I, I might as well tell it because it's funny, but we did have, um, we had another band called Oil and I can sit here and talk about these bands, but we were doing Foreign Objects and Oil at the same time and mm. Oil was like supposed to be a purposefully uh, commercial alternative rock band mm-hmm. because we were also doing math metal and foreign objects which is not marketable quote so we were doing this alternative stuff which sucked and we had um, a guitar player named Andy Smith who quit the band and I remember him telling me and while we were rehearsing in, in my garage he's like these songs are boring um, I don't want to do this. This this band sucks. I don't want to, you know, I want to do my own thing. And then we ran into him like five years later and Chad went up to him and said, thanks for quitting the band, dude. <laughs> like really helped out my bank account. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, but that, you know, that was were, par were for the course. Were you kind of pissed on him for saying that? Like, that's no, kind of a shitty thing to say. No, it was a shitty thing to say, but at the same time, it's like, I had heard so many of those. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's what, that was par for the course, anything like that coming out of his mouth. He did that just to make us laugh, and it made me laugh. But, yeah. you know, it's like... So um, you meet Jess, you meet Bam. Mm-hmm. Do they uh, they immediately make you part of the Norgera crew? Like they, 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 they are you over their house a bunch? Because I, I, I there was no crew at that time. Well, I know, but part of their family, like they're like they're, yeah, that's oh what, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, uh, when Jess said oh, I play drums, I was still in this end up which we had changed our name to Third Hand Fact, not that anybody knew or cared because we didn't have any shows or anything. And um, the first time we played, it, it didn't go well at all. It sucked. I had a little amp, couldn't hear anything. Jess wasn't playing well. Then the second time, we decided to give it another go, and he shows up late, and that kind of ticked me off. But mm-hmm. the practice was good. So we spent like eight 
months just working on the beginning of one song. Okay. Which song was that? The Undiscovered Numbers and Colors. It's okay. the first song we ever wrote. And I still have our first demos of it. It's from, um, what's the Irish holiday? St. Patrick's Day? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Saint, Why are Saint you Patrick's asking me? I, I feel like that was, a, that was a dig at my heritage. <laughs> I, well, you know what? It was just I was talking to myself then. Um, yeah, so we, you know, we did that. And um, Bam was young. He was like 13. And was he already skateboarding at this time? Yeah, he was skateboarding a lot. But he spent a lot of time in what we called the dungeon, which uh, which was the basement of the Margera house. Mm-hmm. Um and there was a lot of stuff in there, and it would flood, and there was like spider webs and all kinds of stuff. April painted furniture and sold it. Like that was one of her things she did on the side. She was a hairdresser, and Phil was a baker at Shoprite or Shopping Bag or something like that. Yeah. And um, we rehearsed like all through the night, like. And the neighbors, I don't know, I can't believe the police never came. Well, down in the once. basement, like that. oh, it was loud. Okay, they had you, you close neighbors. Okay, yeah, and I don't know if, if whether April or Phil had a discussion with them or what, but it was like we would go till like two or three in the morning, and you know, Bam would be down, and then um, Brandon DiCamello started coming over, and he would do demos on <laughs> these funny demos that freestyle rap. Yeah, freestyle rap okay. happened at that time. I remember doing some guitar on some stuff on there, and you know, we didn't think anything was no anybody was going to know did about a lot this of that stuff. end up on volume two yes okay yeah. yeah you know that was that was uh, one thing that was really strange about uh, when, I, when i was in high school cky was the biggest thing ever like everybody really? in the cky patch uh in or well at least in yeah. orange county california yeah where i went to high school near so, volcom yeah, yeah volcom exactly. was our record company right exactly so you know uh, it was it was a weird thing because at that point, I was very close-minded. I'm like, if it's not Metallica or Ozzy, it's gay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I saw people with CKY, I'm like, that's skater shit. I don't know what that is. I know. So the thing is, but I did not know what it was <laughs> because people would be like, have you seen CKY? It's really funny. I'm like, oh, it's a show. And they'd be like, have you, uh, did you, did you hear their, their prank calls? I'm like, oh, it's like the Jerky Boys. And then mm-hmm. it's like, dude, did you hear their cover of Eye of the Tiger? I'm like, so it's a band now? Because yesterday it was skateboarding videos. Yeah. What is it? You know what? I had the same problem. I used to go to bed thinking to myself, what is this? Are we yeah. a band? Are we... You know what? I, I compare it to anybody that knows John Waters, how he had his uh, Dreamlanders. Like, he had his um, cast that he casted in every movie. And, you know, like, there was, like, Divine and Ming Stoll and David Lockery and all these people that just were together making these atrocious, offensive films. Mm-hmm. And they were also doing, like, Edith Massey and Divine did songs and music, and they they, they were just a creative group that did everything that, and branched out and did other things, and I kind of saw us like that. And I knew that was going to be hard to explain, and did that ever but it didn't cause, matter. Did that, did that ever cause you a little frustrations later on that you couldn't, like, separate yourself from that? Not really, no? because okay. by that time, people... It happened so fast... It happened so fast that it happened a lot faster than things happen today. Okay. You know, it, it it was like we were recording, we didn't have the name CKY yet, and we we were coming up with really good what were supposed to be demos at the time. They eventually turned into the album Volume One. Mm-hmm. And then Bam had a section on a skateboard video called Jump Off a Building. And then um Fairman's had a video and we had a we put a song in there. We started getting a lot of mail and it was the it was the instrumental version of Close Yet Far but sped up. It was a really rough unmixed demo version mm-hmm. and people just liked it. And that was um bam segment of that video. So I said, "Why don't we get in touch with somebody and just make our own video?" And um 
you know, we were still called oil at the time and I was sitting in a pizza joint and I'm thinking So it was your idea to actually do videos of Me and Bam were sitting in his in his bedroom and I said and we were talking about how popular his segment was mm-hmm. and I said, dude, why don't you get somebody one of the skate companies to to get us a video of all the stuff we do because he was filming every day yeah and we so were doing was, music doing every day all the way back when he was a little kid filming yeah. all of these kind of funny things a lot things of stuff doing. a lot okay. of stuff and then chris came chris rap was you know started coming around he was friends with bam forever uh rake Yan is actually ted webb who was a friend of mine in school because i i gravitated I figured he might have come to the crew through you yeah. just the death metal so, thing yeah like we we um when i got to east i just went straight to the long hair long hair dudes because i knew that they were into metal and that was what i was into and i was grow- i was i had my hair growing out and um ted and i just became good friends and there was another one called named scott peppel we're still good friends with him but he was never involved some of my friends just didn't want to i don't think they wanted to get involved in it or i don't know exactly but whoever did want to get involved got involved you probably but, had like a reputation around town this this crew that was now bludgeon uh, burgeoning like well, we would all hang out and stay the, away from those guys yeah we would hang out in the in the entrance to the school in one corner and then just make fun of all the jocks and the di- the dimwits and the airheads and all the other people that you know were kids we weren't bullies but we would just laugh at things that we found ironic it was it so it was, it was a small town to begin with uh, but like are you now like known around town like this infamous people like oh that's not, the CKY. Yet. not yet not yet when does that start happening a long after we all graduated okay it's probably like 98 Okay, so in ninety started ninety seven, ninety eight. And volume one came out in ninety nine? It was finished in ninety nine. Yeah, 99. It, it did come out in ninety nine. Yeah. We finished it in at the end of ninety eight and it came out the first pressing February ninety nine. And we packaged it with uh the first CKY video. It was called Land Speed through mm-hmm. Rob Erickson, I think, who owned that company. And um he did the cover art for the album, which was the Bud Dwyer thing with the cross and mm-hmm. I, I didn't get it because I didn't know who Bob Bud Dwyer was, but I still thought it was awesome. And they packaged it, and um, Bam had had gotten the uh, deal with uh, Land Speed, and man, that thing got to every mom and pop shop. Yeah, and it just took off. Yeah, like yeah, it was overnight. It was it was who the fuck is CKY? Yeah, all the way across the country. And in, in, I mean, it took a long time. Basin, yeah. You know, it, like from ninety. The end of '94 to '97, it was like three years of like demoing and filming. Yeah, and, three years and, to become an overnight success. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, uh, what's it called? You know, get, getting people to come over to us, like recruiting. We, we were recruiting people. Okay. And um, Ted became Red Rakeon. We Ted and I tried to start a band, and I remember in high school he always had this tick. He was like, ah. And I thought that was so characteristic of somebody I wanted to be friends with. And he'd be like, yeah, man, we'll jam today. <laughs> It'll be awesome, man. I got my BC Ridge. <laughs> and I was like, why is he doing that? And and he doesn't do it anymore. But I thought it was hilarious. And um, he was so interested in chemistry. And he knew all this stuff about chemistry. But we tried to start a band. We were playing guitar. And he was like, man, I don't know if I could do this. And... So we would jam, we would jam every once in a while, and then uh, you know Gunnar Butler and a bunch of other people would show up. I don't know what Gunnar Butler's nickname is on the CKY videos, but um, those guys would you know smoke pot, and then my mom would pick me up. You know I didn't want to partake in that. Yeah. I thought that because I was so brainwashed, you know, by dare. 
Paul Stanley and Gene <laughs> Simmons saying, if you do drugs, you'll ruin your your career. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to do any of that. As, as Ace Freely falls down the Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, Ace Freely was a reason for saying that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that. And, I, and to an extent, I still do, because to, to this day, I have not ever done an illegal drug. Is so, that right? Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not bragging oh, good, or preaching. Good thing but, I didn't offer you that meth in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I found it right by the way it's in my pocket I'm gonna yeah, try you, it tonight you'll get some good money for that just, just flip that <laughs> um, okay so this happens all really quickly yeah alright um, so that, that was gonna be my one question like when, when did the crowd start showing up but this all happened like boom right when this, these videos come out how soon because I saw I've seen old videos of you guys like at like Shippensburg College with like a sold out auditorium mm -hmm. how fast does that start happening where all of a sudden people are flocking to CKY shows oh man you know uh, some of this shit is so hard to remember but um I mean, did it happen relatively quickly? I don't, I don't well, need a year. But. We, we were still kind of stuck in the Philadelphia music scene, which was actually non-existent. I mean, the only band... It was like Dandelion, Trip 66. I remember and, Dandelion. Yeah. And, they did that, um, uh, that, that, that one song, All Right! <laughs> yeah. Probably. No, I don't remember, but they were more, they were more peers than... They were kind of like uh, grunge imitators. Yes, yeah, yeah it was they, grunge. They, they, that's, that's what inspired us to go grunge with oil. You know, okay. grunge was like the only thing. Like if you were from the '80s, you had to not tell anybody that, that you, you were in the '80s. Well, yeah, like Alice in Chains was a hair metal band. They're like, let's yeah. let's hop on this flannel gravy train yeah. here. Yeah, you, ha you had to there just was, pretend we're dirty. Yeah, <laughs> the biggest, the even music. the biggest hair bands like Poison and Warrant, they were like gone within a day. It was like. Yeah, we talked about this in the car. That's why Kiss was like, we got to put out a grunge album. Mm -hmm. we got to do it. <laughs> Carnival of Souls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I wasn't into grunge. I was into guitar playing, and when we tried to do it, it sucked. It, it was obvious that none of us were into that. Mm -hmm. So then when we decided that CKY came about by just, you know, I we were in the pizza place, and we were coming up with a band names, and I said, I just remember Mama as a cool name. IDM will be IDM. And then, um, so you always wanted to have the acronym thing going on. I wanted to have a movie title, okay, which was I a movie. I just remember Mama is a movie, and it's just a screwed up, fucked up name, and it's sick. But then I was like, can't kill yourself because I was interested in Sleepaway Camp, mm -hmm. which I was chasing my wife at the time. Yeah, and for um, listeners that don't know, he ended up marrying the actress yeah. that was the lead in that film. Yeah. It, there's, you know, it's not as hard as you might think to I'm get what you want. I'm going to be asking that. So do we'll, we will, get what we you will want, get there. people. Go will, and get what you want. We will get hard. there. So, okay, so you come up with CKY. And by the way, going back to, like, um, forming it, um, I understand, like, your guitar player, he was just producing your um, uh, your demo. We had a manager. Okay. And um, I forget her name. We used to make fun of her a lot. I forget her name. But she didn't know what she was doing. But she did lead us to the studio in uh, somewhere, I forget, Newtown, Pennsylvania. No, it was further away than that. Okay. I don't remember where the Groundhog Studio was, but we did um, find, because I, I had listened to a, a band called Surge, and we played with them as a trio, and they gave me their demo, and I was like, this is a demo? Like, this sounds amazing. Turns out they're a French band called Serge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was really impressed. I mean, back then, like, a, an unsigned band to have a, major sounding like an album sounding demo was very rare because nowadays everyone you can, can put record out, for free yeah everyone can put out their own major label sounding things yes. but back then you had to be signed yeah you had to be signed yeah. and you had to have some money yeah but this band i don't know how they did it and we found out 
that it was the Groundhog Studio, and Chad was the engineer there making $8 an hour, and we were paying him to do our record. And then at one point towards like the end, he decided he wanted to join the band. He said that uh, he heard the instrumental track for Disengage the Simulator, and he's like, I gotta be part of this band. Is that, did it, what does he come running in like, I gotta be, let me get my guitar. Yeah, he wanted to be part of the band, but he was older, and I think he was he was embarrassed that he believed in it, but he would always wear this mask that looked just like him. And I, I was kind of like pissed at that because he would, yeah, I mean, he was just, he had to be in disguise, you know, at our shows. Like, I don't want anyone to know who I am oh, when I'm in this band. So I was like, whatever. But eventually he unmasked. Okay. So. Uh, well, that was one. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, that's how that came about. And then we ended up doing a second pressing and then Volcom took an interest in us and I was living with my girlfriend, and she was going a little crazy. She's getting really psychotic and needy. Is, so. Let me ask you, is she kind of maybe not dealing with your local fame too well? No, it started way before that. Okay. We had, you know, the best thing you can have when you're starting a relationship that's sexual or whatever between a man or a woman lies. is... Lots of lies. No, full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. You tell the truth <laughs> at the beginning. Right. You say, here's what I want, and here's what I'm not going to do. And I said those things, and she was cool with it. And then, you know, uh, eventually she couldn't handle it. But we couldn't let each other go. It was like a, it was like a, a poisonous. I don't think anyone listening uh, can not relate to yeah, that. It yeah. was very codependent. Very toxic. That's the word. Yeah, toxic and codependent. And I was being a real asshole. I mean, I was bringing girls back to her house when she was asleep. Is that? Whoa! It was bad. Ballsy, dear. It was bad. No, no, no it, it, it was bad. I, and I mean, what, what are you, nineteen at this point? Twenty? Yeah, nineteen, twenty. Okay. Yeah. Well, as we discussed on this show many times, every male is a sociopath from seventeen to twenty-six. <laughs> That's what I tell my daughter. Yes, it actually starts at thirteen. Yeah, you know, even earlier. Thirteen to twenty-six. And you're yeah. lucky if you're out of it by your thirties. And then women become. They have their side of it too. They're. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the gold digging, there's the the self-obsession, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm generalizing here. Yeah. I don't mean everybody. I don't mean you. You know, I'm talking about, in a general sense, I think everybody knows in that par- department what I'm talking about today. Yeah. So, all right, so you, you got this toxic relationship going on. You you obviously are still starting to feel like, you know, you're the local local celebrity around town, right? I not mean, really. I never thought of myself as a celebrity. Because your stuff's going viral at this point. Like, but I wasn't before viral was a thing. Yeah, it, that's true, but I didn't... Par- I didn't partake in the videos as much. Right. So I, people I didn't know, know my face. Why was that? I just... You, just didn't it was, it? you know what? Bam was very motivated back then, and he would get up at 8 a.m. and and go do this shit with those guys. Okay. And I was still sleeping or I was working. When I was, you know, after I graduated, I had like three jobs. I was a manager at a bookstore. I was uh, ripping tickets at a movie theater, and I was... Um, Working at a record store. I see. You were motivated too. You wanted, yeah, motivated wanted to, to keep the roof over your head. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I was living not rent free, but at my girlfriend, she bought this house in the ghetto, and I was living with her, and uh, it was like two hundred dollars a month rent. What ghetto? Was Darby? Yeah, it was. A, it was Westchester. Oh, there, oh Bernard, it was. It was actually Bernard Street and Gay Street, the Burger King, right there. Oh, okay. I think it's Gay Street. Could be High Street. I don't remember. But. She gave me this ultimatum, and I had already come out to California and found an apartment. 
And she gave me this ultimatum that if things weren't going to go her way, then I was going to have to leave. And I okay. said, I have news for you, Ted. I'm out of here in two weeks. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You know, and that was a bombshell. It's just like, what? She gave me 30 days and I was out in 14. So Now, how soon between what you just mentioned uh, until you get the warp Tour? Probably... You know, I think I was still living with her when we got the Warped Tour. Because I was getting... we were that getting was paid. another big break for you. Yeah. When we signed with Volcom, they had a stage. They oh. had a stage on the Warped Tour. Yeah. And um, I was getting paid. And the reason that I was able to fly out to California and be... Cl- I wanted to be closer to, the, to Volcom. Yeah. I, like, I literally moved into an apartment with... One of the workers at Volcom. In Orange County? Yeah, Josh. Okay. In, at Van, on Vanguard. On Vanguard in Costa Mesa, and, yeah. Yeah, and um, Volcom is on, uh, what the hell street is that? They're on, uh, right off of Main Street. What off of, like 17th? 17th in Monrovia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go, Monrovia. I grew up in, in, in Costa Mesa, You know, yeah. is it Monrovia? Am I saying it right? I think so. Okay, so it's Monrovia, I think. And uh, I wanted to be closer to the label because they were sending me checks. And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm getting this much money for this record that we did. This is funny because uh, <laughs> I'm, living, I'm I'm a high school student in this town <laughs> at this time. And it was like, these guys are in Pennsylvania. I mean, you're like down the street incognito. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, people didn't recognize me because I was only in maybe two or three skits in volume one. And you didn't. And I didn't say, hey, I'm Darren Miller, the guitar player. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was just, people were like, yeah, who the hell is that? Yeah. Now, I don't really remember because I haven't seen any of those videos since they came out. Really? You haven't yeah. watched one of them? Not one. Not even for old time's sake? No. Wow. No. Is, it, I mean. Not not for, not, you know, because like, oh, I'm, fuck that shit. You just I just haven't. Haven't gotten around I remember it. it so well that I don't need yeah. to watch it. Yeah, I remember yeah. the baseball skit. I remember the bowling skit. And to be honest, I didn't find any of it very funny. <laughs> I didn't understand it, but I guess, you know, that's part of the charm of it. Is it's I, I have a very, you know, my sense of humor is very bizarre. Very advanced. So, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say advanced, but I would say... It was, it was hit or miss for me. Yeah, it is you know, hit or miss. Like, sometimes it, 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 I'd laugh just for the, at the sheer ridiculous of it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it'd, it'd be like, he's smearing shit on the guy's face. Yeah, like, see, there you go. Huh. Chris Rabb was like my idol. Uh-huh. You know, me and him share birthdays. We're pretty much the same person. How's he doing? He is fantastic. Yeah, a complete 180 how, from what how, you would think. I heard he's uh, eight years sober or yes, something like that. at yeah. least. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And when I got my DUI, he would come to the AA meetings with me. And... So he was already, he was already yeah, sober? Yeah, he okay. was sober. He's been sober a long time, and he, he, he's getting married. Oh, he's already married, I think. You know, there, uh, there's so much. We're skipping ahead a, a lot. but he's, ha- he's having a kid. No actually. shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't unbox that too early. <laughs> Ask him if it's okay. We'll take it out and post if it's yeah. not. So um, you, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of speculation about how this crew doesn't talk anymore and they're not. You know, they don't speak anymore. And like, I was thinking about it myself. I'm like, I don't talk to the people I went to high school with anymore. It's a lot like that. Yeah, you know, because you see, you see just Reddit threads like, oh, I heard he did this. I heard he that they yeah. got in a fight. I'm like. How many of you talk to the people you went to middle school with or right. even know what they're up to? Right. Well, you know, it's to some people that there there is a fan base for the, that stuff and there's a lot of speculation and I don't pay any attention to it. I have mm-hmm. no idea what people are talking about. I'll fill you in. All I can do is tell you the truth. Okay. okay? Yeah. yeah. What happened was the band got successful. The videos got successful. 
um, the video side of the guys went to uh, Jackass and MTV, yeah. and we got signed to a major label, and you know our music was already in the first video. Mm-hmm. So the first season of Jackass is made up of clips from the yeah, first they, video. They already had like this pilot shot right, for free. Right. Who exactly. wouldn't fucking green light that? They had that? a free pilot. The music was already in there, you know. They had the uh, rights to it. They all just... the rights, you know, nothing to, they don't have to go after any kind of yeah. thing or anything. One of the breakout stars, drummers in this band, so right. don't even worry about it. Right. Yeah. So, um, music was already in there. People loved the music because there were other bands in, in Jackass and people called us the Jackass band, but there was a lot of Jackass bands. We just happened to be the one that was successful. That I, was, well, people I mean, could relate yeah, to us. But, uh, yeah, exactly. You were successful. One of the stars, like I said, their brothers in the band. So it was promoted the hardest, you know, mm-hmm. so everyone felt that connection to it. And so I guess I, I can understand that why. And there was other stuff. I mean, there, I could go on for years about how the record company tried to, to put their bigger bands in our place. I, and, oh, I bet. Oh, it was, oh, I bet they were chomping at the bit to get Blink-182 in no, there. No, they were trying to make Hoobastank audio shoes. and Gross. like They were trying to get, like, uh, they were trying to get, um, I don't know his name, Some that's this other dude. Poe of Mud. No, it was Island Records. It was um, somebody else. They, they wanted to get him on Jackass and, and Jeff Tremaine and Knoxville were like, no, we don't want to. And it was just like, they were, we got signed so that they could... Corporate meddling. Lots of corporate yeah, meddling. Yeah, it's like, let's sign this band so that we can market our other bands on their back, kind yeah. of. They're, yeah. So I, I think, and I'm not just being, you know, bitter or, or you know, looking back and... The truth that I believe is that we got signed so that they could keep us at a certain cult level. Okay, they want to make you company men. Right, because when Nirvana hit, Mm -hmm. every record company lost millions of dollars paying off the, the hair bands. Yeah. For the next record they were supposed to deliver, right? Like, you we know, don't what even t- need it. Just fucking have your have your check and go right. home. So take the, this bag of lipstick. So when <laughs> when CKY was taken off, I think they were afraid that there was gonna be if we got too big, there might be a lot of. Uh, imitators coming along and then they would have to get rid of all their new metal stuff and start over and i think uh, it's, a, it's a valid point because you don't know what category to put right cky and that's why i said at the top of the episode one of my favorite songwriters because what i'm trying to you it's it, it, there's no other better example than when you try and put a, a cky station on pandora because they're, they're like uh based on this you might also like ah, chevelle no <laughs> system of a down no yeah, yeah. we got lumped into we were always labeled in genres that we had nothing I, to do like with. Like I said, but skate rock, skate that's, punk. That's the one. What the fuck is skate punk? Can't you just listen to anything while you're skateboarding? Yeah, everybody did listen to everything while they were skateboarding. They just listened to us. That do you make think a that skate had a lot punk. to do with you guys being in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? Eventually. Okay, so not yet. That doesn't happen yet. All right. But, the, but you also have to ask yourself, okay, Tony Hawk's uh, Pro Skater 3, having 96 Bitter Beings in there, um, why are we, we being labeled new metal? Oh, did that happen? I it didn't even know that one big happened. Big time. Wow. Big time. So now we're new metal, which is the opposite because we were playing complex stuff and new metal is like... See that? Okay. The jock, 
down the street that just got a guitar is writing these songs, and you that's what just they were. answered a question for me <laughs> that finally makes sense because you were on a tour with Godsmack and mm-hmm. Puddle of Mud, and I was like, why? <laughs> why would they put CKY on that? Like, someone, someone who never heard you was like, new metal, just put it all together. I can, t- I can answer all these questions for okay. you. The reason we got on that tour is because Godsmack picked Godsmack owed uh, Fred Durst a favor, and he signed Puddle of Mud. Who doesn't? <laughs> oh man, now he might owe favors. <laughs> but uh, Godsmack was doing Puddle or uh, Durst a favor. Uh, Puddle of Mud was this unknown band, didn't have a hit yet, but they were going to because the record company would see to that. They were mm-hmm. going to make it big, and um, so they were on the tour and they were playing after us. And Deftones didn't want to be on tour with Godsmack at that time. Why not? Just thought it was corny i guess oh, okay so they knew about us they don't own enough khaki pants <laughs> deftones is actually a legit band you know mm. people love that band and they're like kind of like a, a tool in a way that like not a tool, the band tool <laughs> like they'll always have a following whereas my, godsmack my wife adores them i hate them we might get a divorce <laughs> <laughs> musically i'm not familiar but socially they've they fucking went out of their way, man. Okay. And we got on that tour and we were like, why are we, we already have kind of a following and we're playing after or playing before this band that's not even big. Mm-hmm. So there was like a rivalry. It was like Deftones, CKY, Puddle of Mud, Godsmack. And we got kicked off the tour because um, I put a CKY sticker on my Godsmack laminate and Sully Erna saw it. And I said, I swear to God, that is guy that- is like five one. Oh, so he's got Little Man Complex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He, so just because you put a CK, your own band sticker mm-hmm. on your own backstage pass laminate, yeah. he kicked you off the tour? Yeah. And Def Chino stood up for us. And when they tried to shut our power off, Chino said, turn it back on. And he still he stood on stage while we played in Arizona, made sure that the, the sound stayed on. Now, I, also, I heard you got kicked off that tour because of your rivalry with uh, Puddle of Mud. No. I thought you and Wes hated each other. No. Okay. Not true. I never talked to the guy. Oh, really? Okay. The only time I talked to him is when we, the first time we started the tour, he said, do you guys like have a demo or something? And I was just like, all right, this dude's doesn't, whatever. <laughs> I mean, demo. I can understand not knowing who we are, but I didn't come up here and ask him for his demo. I mean, <laughs> I knew he was probably involved Do you think that that was somehow. a dig? Uh, a bad one. Okay. Like not 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 offensive, just like stupid, like just like a something a bully would say. I like Now speaking of tours you got kicked off of, mm-hmm. Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. Now, like you even said, that was a big break for you mm-hmm. and you got kicked off for protesting the high ticket prices. Yeah. No, not the high ticket prices. No. The percentage of merchandise they wanted. Oh really? Yeah. It wasn't okay. the ticket prices. It was how much what, what kind of percentage? They wanted forty five percent. And we were like, you got to be kidding. Because we're surviving off of this. Yeah. We're in a van, a Volcom van. The exhaust is coming up through the bottom of the van. We're falling asleep to fumes. Yeah. If at all. Not many people understand that touring people survive off their merch, not what they actually get for the gig. When I play like South Dakota and I get $100, like, how'd you afford to get out of here? I'm like, see these $20 shirts? Yes. Please buy two. And everybody out there, no matter how many times I say it, it's not all glamour and you know it's not it's like people somehow a lot of people not everybody of course generalizing again but Mm -hmm. a lot of people 
are resentful towards people that get to do what they want for a living. You become a dartboard for their own insecurities. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, they hate that because it's either something that they wish they could do or something... It's it could be any problem. Maybe they tried and failed. I mean, we the 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 people we encountered the most that had problems with 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 a band's success are sound guys. Okay, <laughs> in clubs. Yeah. Okay. But those dudes are pissed. So, two questions about that warp tour. All right. Number one, um, before you even got kicked off, you parted ways with your bass player mid tour, right? And then Chad had to move to bass. Was that the tour that happened? Because I know that that you kicked Ryan out at some point. Ryan Bruni? Yeah. No, not in the middle of a tour. No. What happened was we got kicked off the tour. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, it was Chicago. My girlfriend, the one. The toxic one. Yeah. She came out to Chicago the 11 hours from Philly. And we got kicked off. And I left the tour because we were kicked off. And Ryan and Justin Chad went out and did some show because we hired this douchebag to tour manage and he said he left our money at the gas station like what a fucking lie <laughs> what a lie oh man he stole our money yeah of course and they he did. told me live on wysp in philly that they broke it to me i was like when are we getting our 900 bucks 900 bucks okay <laughs> I wanted my my cut of nine hundred dollars. Yeah, right? I want and, my two hundred and fifty dollars after taxes. Goddamn yeah. it! <laughs> and, and on the radio, they told me we lost the money live, and I fucking freaked and out. And what happened? Then? The, the, the the shock jock did a fart sound and a moo cow. <laughs> I, doubt it. I don't think they were ready for it. I was just <laughs> I was a in shock. Whistle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, they were playing us, so that was a cool thing. We got to play live on there, and, and they told they broke that to me. But to make a long story short, I went home, drove 11 hours. Those guys played some shows to make money, to replace the money that we lost. And then um, Ryan Bruni left after that. He just left the band? He left a successful band? Well, you know what? Like, when your heart isn't in it, but you, you're not sure if it is or not, and you go through the hassle of a tour... Just maybe a week of touring might be enough to say, this is not for you. Okay. All and, right, yeah. and, you know, the personalities in the band were, were critical, and he was being criticized and bullied by, in a way, in a sense, you know, I was good friends with him. He still to this day is like the, one of the funniest people I've ever you met. You still uh, keep in touch with him? I do keep in touch with him, yeah. Is he, probably the only one. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Where I'm, uh, from trying to detract and get some people out of this equation, you can probably figure out who was bullying, <laughs> bullying him. But um, yeah, he left. He just, it wasn't his thing. You know, his okay. parents were pressuring him. He was young. His dad was really pressuring him to do something else and that's what he went and did and like you said before i mean tour that the, the tour uh, at that stage probably wasn't very glamorous you were no, living in the van was, you were eating exhaust he's probably like this rock star thing isn't what it cracked up to be yeah okay. yeah i don't think he was comfortable with it and he probably didn't see he didn't have an eye on a future prize either probably no so no. you get a new bass player uh vernon yes uh, yeah okay who i who uh they convinced me to co go to shooters which was a club that we played a lot, and they wanted me to see this bass player who was dressed like Uli John Roth, if you know 70s Scorpions. Um, he Boy, was do I! Dressed as a... <laughs> Nobody out there is. Just Google Uli John Roth. The guy's an amazing guitar player, should be famous, should be in the same league as Hendrix. But... And by the way, listeners, if you don't know Uli John Roth, don't act like you and I have anything to fucking talk about, okay? 
<laughs> Google him, take a look, and uh, Vern was dressed like that. He was dressed as a hippie. In fact, if you, all right, I'm going to go even deeper. Look at the back of Scorpion's album, In Trance. Look at Uli John Ross' picture. That's what Vern looked like, exactly. And I was like, if dude, if he's going to dress like that, I do not want to be in a band that's with someone dressed like okay. that. So it just ended up that it was a Halloween costume. Oh, okay. So I was like, phew. So, uh, yeah, he ended up in the band by default. Okay. So um, We didn't have time to rehearse because we had... You had a second album to record, right? No, not yet. Not, not yet? Not quite yet. We're not there yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, I gotta go back to the Warp Tour. Like, when you when you decided to make this decision, this was a big break for you. Mm-hmm. Was there hesitation, like, before you protested and joined other people protesting? Like, no. No, there was no hesitation. You no. Was, you, but did you know what was going to happen? No. Okay. It, you know what? It was everything, a lot of the stuff that we did was so spur of the moment. You okay. know, everything was, um, we were all about, not being cheated and ripped off and and everything has to be fair and you know each venue that we went to wanted a percent of our merch and you know that was bad enough you mm-hmm. know okay 10 15 20 percent you know that's fine but when we got to i think i think it's chicago they were like 45 percent and we're like whoa and you know it just you only need you know like when somebody's like you're a faggot and then yeah. everybody goes ooh <laughs> yeah and all of a sudden you feel like you have to fight yep it was kind of like that like we found out and then we were like oh and then everybody's like that's screwed up and without thinking we started writing signs like this venue wants 45 percent of our what we need to survive you okay know? it's yeah. like rich against poor pretty yeah. much and um kevin lyman t- kicked us off the tour what? who's kevin lyman he's the owner of the tour oh okay but right. when the tour hit philly we came back as a different band Who'd you come back as? <laughs> Can't kill yourself. Oh, so they didn't they didn't put the acronym together? Nope. Nice. We snuck in actually. Volcom guys actually snuck us in and we were playing while the people who kicked us out walked in. <laughs> so all right, now I gotta ask you a few things. Speaking of tours, I wanna fucking get a few of these out of the way. Yeah, we gotta move. We gotta go. Is uh is um <laughs> uh when you get the tour from Metallica. Oh my god. Did, uh, it wasn't a tour, it was one show. It was only one show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still. Yeah. <laughs> oh only one show from Metallica? Yeah. No, All no. Right. D- does a guy from the band call you? Does their management call you? Who calls you? Well the rumor is that James Hetfield called me, and I wish. But that's okay. not what happened. Um, that's what had, I read, yeah. We had a we had a uh a manager named Randy Hoffman and how we got this is sketchy because I don't think I've, I was ever told how it happened. I was just told that it was happening, mm-hmm. and I was in—I could not believe the it. The show was in Philly, I'm guessing. No, San no. Francisco. Oh, you went to their home turf. Yeah. All right. Um, We—I was already living in California. Yeah. So the band came out, and it was a one-off. It was Rob Trujillo's first show. It was a week before Saint Anger came out, and James Hetfield. I mean, you don't understand how much time. I spent with Metallica tab books. Yeah, oh yeah. Riding the Lightning and Master Puppets, Justice for All, even the and the Black Album. You don't know how many times I listened to that shit. You don't know how many times I looked at my Metallica poster and thought that James Hetfield was the coolest fucking guy in the world. I still do. Like anti glam rock. Yeah. Driving pickup trucks, like fuck this commercial shit. I like my, you know, I like metal. I I like my riffs. That guy's rhythm guitar so when is he goes ridiculous. In the, when he goes in the press and they ask him, "Who's your favorite band right now?" and he says, "CKY." I didn't even get. I don't. I don't even know if that is true. If he said that, yeah. I, All <laughs> I needed to hear was that he talked to me. <laughs> you know, he came up to me and he was like, "Dude, your riffs are just—they blow my mind." Wow. And I was like. 
Uh, okay, all right, all right. So it, it was terrifying. Are you, are, you, are you doing the thing that I did before I picked you up? Like, don't freak out, don't freak out, yeah. don't freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I started to to in a way bomb as a comedian. <laughs> you know, you know when that when when this is happening and you have someone you've always seen in videos and on TV in person telling you that they admire what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It, it it I can't describe it. It was just a feeling of like dream, like a dream. Like I almost felt like I was, I was on a path of like, the, I was on a I was on a ladder, mm-hmm. you know. And I was in the on the in the middle of the ladder. And then when James Hetfield knew what we were doing, I was higher up the ladder. And it was just so fucking surreal. And to have him like pick us because each member of the band they did four shows in San Francisco and each member of the band got to pick a band and I remember Lars picked Systematic which Johnny Chow was in who ended up joining Fireball Ministry and now he's in Soulfly um, cool he was in a band called Systematic that was signed to Lars's label distributed by Electra ah there it is Kirk Hammett picked Death Angel it's a thrash band from the 80s still going today they're a really cool band yeah and James Hetfield picked CKY and uh, it's just that's the best one and I'm sitting there in front of a Metallica audience not being heckled at all yeah which was were you worried about that yeah I was to be honest I mean it's different music I mean I I can handle hecklers I can ignore it but in an arena we had to deal with hecklers which is easier than in a club yeah so because you get you don't really hear them no. Yeah. You pretend you don't if you do. Okay. You're like, hey, yeah, so get off the fucking stage. You suck. You can pretend. That was more of a question. I don't know what it's like to be on stage <laughs> in an arena. Well, I mean, you're, you're on stage, though. Yeah. You're on stage, and if you're opening for somebody, yeah. you might hear, get the fuck off the stage. You want to see David Spade, you asshole. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no heckling. I look over, and James Hetfield's on the balcony staring down, and I'm like, oh, my God. Is that, is that more pressure than doesn't he wanted? Does it get any more nerve-wracking than that? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Do you almost want him to not be there, just a, a small party? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's like one of the greatest days of my life to this day. Yeah, yeah, because it went day. well. It went very well. And then to add the fucking cherry on the top of this huge-ass fucking cake... They get on stage, Rob's first show, playing all songs from just the first three albums. <laughs> so I was like, holy shit, like battery and fucking. They were trying to show him, hey, he can do this. Shit. Sanity and yeah. Blackened and Ride the Lightning and Four Horsemen, No Remorse. You know, they're just busting out all this awesome first four albums, maybe Enter Sandman, I don't know. But I mean, it was just the best show I'd ever been to. I got so, to open it. I got to watch it. I got to talk to the band. I got complimented by them. It's like just a dream come true. Yeah. Now, so I want to move a little bit past like so. That, what would you say around this time? That's the, the 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 pinnacle of the band, right around there. Not yet. Not yet. When when would you say was the high watermark that where, where the wave crested? We went to Hawaii to record Infiltrate Destroy We Build after we had done the drum tracks in. Um, Philly. Why did you choose Hawaii? Just because it's in Hawaii? And you because our A&R guy was a partier. And oh. he's like, let's go to Hawaii, man. Yeah. He came out. We went out for a month. We stayed in a really nice hotel. We took some uh, we took some centerfolds out to dinner and went on a little date with them. Um, we were there for a month. And uh, we did all of our recording there. It was right after September 11th. 
which was scary because I was scheduled to fly to Hawaii September 12th. No fucking shit. So they, you know, they cut off all, yeah. all air, all airlines for three days, I think. So I flew out September 15th okay. and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> it's a likely place that might get attacked next. You know, yeah. like, everybody, well, every, every everybody place, in Hawaii yeah. thought they were next. Yeah, you every, know? every place everywhere thought they were next. Yeah. But to be on an island I'm in full Newport of, Beach, California, like next. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, another funny thing is that I was, in, you know, pretty high up on like the 31st, 34th floor of the hotel and I'm like looking over at the airport you know it's like <laughs> oh this is just amazing you're, you know? you're thinking like I can make that into the pool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched pretty much every single airplane until I passed out leaving that airport <laughs> hey bam I got a good skit for you if a plane gets near this building I'm going right out the yeah, window yeah. I would have I, I mean everybody was thinking about that at the time yeah and uh you know, there was a lot of paranoid Hawaiians, you know, which island is it going to be? Yeah. Everybody thought that. Uh, so we, so took our, the, we took our minds off that by recording. So for you, that was... And drinking. <laughs> that was the, the, the pinnacle. Then you do An Answer Can Be Found. Mm-hmm. Um, IDR came out, was a huge success. Yeah. It, it hit 99 on the Billboard Top 100, yeah. which we thought it was going to do better because we thought we were a little cocky, but it didn't matter because, you know, everybody, you know brags about their billboard chart mm-hmm. yeah. but it it doesn't matter because you could be number one on the billboard and then the next week sell nothing yeah but what, what happened with that album was we hit 99 and then the next week we were 196 mm-hmm. and then it fell off the charts but it sold like 3,000 a week yeah, so for it, months and months and months yeah so it, it was close to gold at one point and then, you know, yeah. it needed another 100000 but it wasn't happening. We can do that. Listeners, then, uh, go on. Go, yeah, go online, online. Go on Amazon. We want our goddamn reward. <laughs> we, we want our gold album. <laughs> All right. So, now, I have a, um, one question was, I really liked An Answer Can Be Found, mm-hmm. but you and the rest of the band have gone on record saying you you almost wish that that record wasn't counted. You, you, well, they do. They Okay. So, you don't feel the same way. I do for a different reason. Why is that? Um... I think that we had the wrong mindset when we went into the studio. Um, it wasn't my idea. This isn't Hawaii. Yeah. And we didn't do it in Hawaii. We did it at 4th Street in Santa Monica, which is owned by um, this lovely lady, Kathleen Ward, who's the sweetest lady in the world. She would give us free time and build a label and then give us the money, you know, stuff like that. Like, she was just really cool. And she was the ex-wife of Jim Ward, who was might be still a huge producer mm-hmm. and um we did it all there but we had an engineer who was a total pothead crackhead well, those, wacky, are two, those are two very different dichotomies you there. know i can't i don't know who to compare him to he's very comedic looking he's like six five so he's dave Chappelle in the sketch where he scratches himself i would say howard stern but on crack with a bigger nose, shit, and more annoying, like much more annoying than Howard could ever be. A lot. It was bad, dude. It was bad. He forgot to, um, he forgot to back up our our hard drive of our music. No. Yeah. I think I see where this is going. So we did. Ended you guys up, lose a bunch of takes. We the album was erased. <gasps> How far in were you? Done. You finished the album. Yeah. And then it was erased and you had to do it again? Now I understand why I'm so stressed out. 
I just I just started sweating profusely when I heard that. Well, yeah. I, read- I was in bed. It was four in the morning. My wife and I were watching All in the Family on video. Okay, let me just put this one, one way. You, you can't imagine this I shit. I recorded a this shit half hour podcast yeah. that got erased, and I stormed out of the studio. And I'm not doing it again. Yeah. No episode this week. Fuck everybody. So that that was like months of work. Months. Months. Jesus. Months and months and months and months. Oh my God. And the album got erased. So, so going we into had second to hire, time. Well, what happened was we put way too much information on one drive. The drive pretty much, I guess, melted is what I was told. <clears throat> Pardon me. And we had to go back in. We had to hire a data recovery company from the FBI, <laughs> oh, and wow. which took a huge chunk of our advance. Yeah. And we went out to Sony Studios in New York. You need to sell some more merch. <laughs> we still had enough money for of our advances. Our advances were good, and we produced our own records, so we got our advances. So that was really cool about being signed to Island. But um, we had to pay like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars to this data recovery mm-hmm. company to get the album back. So that, but so not, what? But you know what? We got like sixty-five percent of it back, and okay. had to piece it together in Pro Tools. Like a jigsaw puzzle. Jesus. There was vocals from one song in another song. And we had to piece it together just like a jigsaw puzzle. It was okay. like it was like it didn't even have anything to do with music anymore. It was taking visual pieces of music and pasting them back to where they should be. I wasn't there for that. Um, I forget who did that work. But I flew in once the album was all pieced back together. There were still pieces missing, and a lot of overdubs were missing. And the fact that we went in there with the attitude of we're not doing any keyboards, everything's going to be guitar. I didn't have that idea. I thought it was a bad idea. I was drinking a lot in the studio, so all the good takes of my vocals were gone. Okay. So we had to take backups that we didn't use and put them in as the main vocal. Wow. So let's say I did a take, uh, she's dressed in decay, you know, like yeah. that was a bad take. The good take w- was a, was gone. Was melted. So we had to use a bad take and fix it up. So it's just, I don't, I don't not like the album because of the songs or, or anything like that. I, it's the production mm-hmm. because of. Because of what the piecing happened. together. Because of that. Now, okay, so here comes the hard questions. Is uh, Here's the way. Can I just add one more thing absolutely. about that? The guy who's, who's, who fucked up our album uh-huh. had the guts to call us in Sony and say, when am I getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I smoke rock. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, okay. So that, that whole fiasco happens. Um, CKY was a band that has, was publicly marred by internal conflict. It was always in the press. I mean, you guys, obviously, you aren't together anymore. You broke up once before. Now, when did that you start? broke up like 20 times that people don't even know about. Oh, I bet. I, uh, <laughs> two, two public ones that we all know about, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there was a lot more. Now, um, that inner tension, does that start happening now, or was that always present? Always, and it was worse in the beginning. What, okay, so let me ask you this. I've always wanted this. What about you, Chad, and Jess? What was it that uh, would really ignite these fires? Well, we all had very different personalities that were very passionate. Such and as? And then Jess was in the middle with this fuck it attitude, okay. which pissed me off a lot. So he was, he was kind of like, a, his indifference... Made me angry. Okay. And then... Um, 
Chad and I had a very similar personality, but it was opposite in the way it was projected. How so? Um, We were both very passionate about what we were doing, but we... Both stubborn? I mean, yeah, it was stubbornness, but it was also like... um, I think he always wanted to be the front man of a band. Mm -hmm. and He felt kind of uh, in your shadow a little bit? Uh, I'm sure you don't know. Okay, fine. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. Uh, maybe <laughs> he did. I don't know. Okay. He never said it. I mean, what? I don't know. There, there was a whole. I mean, I could, I could seriously write a book of just reasons why that band was not going to keep going. And it, so there was a lot of infighting. Yeah, there was a lot of infighting. I know there was, a, there was a, there was an incident on a tour bus where your laptop got thrown or something that year or something like that. I might have thrown it. <laughs> I don't know. It yeah, was there a was physical projectile weapon. No, I, I the the one of the worst things was having to. Um, I went to the back of the bus and the back door was locked and I heard my friends in the back of the bus saying horrible shit about me. Like, like what? Horrible. Like picture like your best friends. Okay. People that you think are like you live with, you eat with, you play with, like mm-hmm. professional yeah. everything. Yeah. You, they don't know you're on the bus. I'd like bus. to have some of those someday. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Because I went to the back of the bus and I was just like already drunk. And just hearing this shit, and I fucking broke down the back door. Oh wow! And started throwing my fist, and I and they called the police. I ran with my friend, who didn't wasn't talking shit on me. Thank you. Where God. were you on this we tour up, bus? Like, are you just in the middle of nowhere, and you ran in out the middle of the of desert? Nowhere, and me and my friend ran, and we ran, we walked to a motel, and I I was like, I'm done with these guys. I'm done. Because that was the first that, break, that, that was, was the, the first, first public break, yeah. breakup. That was. I right, mean, it was bad. Yeah, because that, I had been bullied as a kid, and I I was sensitive to that, and at you know, I care. I was only like 22. I mean, people have to understand we were freaking kids. And we, yeah, that's you know, another thing like, that we, we brought up. Uh, uh, 17 to 26, yeah. you're not thinking clearly. You're not. Especially you're, not on a bottle of Smirnoff or whatever. Oh, no, it was Jack Daniels. Oh, dude. I it was, was the, the heavy stuff. <laughs> we were, we each had, I mean, one bottle of Jack is enough, but you have to remember we had Jägermeister sponsoring us. We had our own mm. Jägermeister uh, display with the the tap and everything. Okay, on and the then, tour bus, you know, one little cup of that. It'll make it'll get you thinking on your ass. It yeah. makes you think. It's opiate based. I, I didn't know that. I probably should have known that because yeah. that's what caused me to probably overreact to what they were saying. But they were saying some pretty fucked up shit. Okay, okay. So, so you break up for a while. When do you get back together to, to record Carver City? When the record company. We signed a Roadrunner in 2006 and broke up. Okay. They gave us our money. They're like, okay, we gave you the money. What's going on? We're not together anymore. Okay, so they say, we're going to sue you. We want our money back. Oh. So I got pressure from our A&R guy, Monty Connor, who I love. He's an awesome guy. But he was like, Darren, you got to apologize to these guys, even though you might be right. You'd have to apologize because they're not going to apologize and they want an apology. So just be the better person. And so I was like, I can do that. <laughs> you know, if I had a nickel I have for a every summons ap- or yeah. I have an apology. Exactly. And I, I, I don't have a problem with apologizing. In the 15 years I was with those guys, I never got I'm sorry. Like, um, I was accused of spending money on a different band in the studio. On their, their blood. 
Yeah. Yeah. I got accused of spending money on that album with CKY money. Didn't you? Uh, and when you... I proved it wrong, it was like, oh. Oh, well. Yeah. You could see why I thought that, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I still, you know, I still suspected a little bit. I yeah. Mean, could so have been you... our money, maybe five bucks. So basically, it's like the Misfits reunion where you found out it's, it's either that or a litigation. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Okay, all right, all right. And, so... and we knew we were going to be sued because it was a lot of money. Now, I was, okay, so for listeners that don't know, um, CKY Now is going on without Darren. Uh, with Chad singing. Well, at first it was a guy who's like who was in a different band that was that was singing for you for a while. Who did the music for my favorite movie of all the last ten years, Halloween? He he did that. He's John Carpenter's um, stepson. Oh, I thought it was the son. or not his stepson. His god, he was the Godfather. His I thought it was the kid of the guy that was in the Kinks. Yeah, that's Daniel Davies. Oh man, he that was, guy's got some lineage. Yeah, but he was a terrible uh, CKY. Yeah, it, it didn't work. Yeah, I, didn't I, I remember seeing a video. So then they he's not good him. at that. He's good at other things, scoring movies. Yeah. So all right, they got him in, um, and then that didn't work out. You guys were briefly gonna come back together, but then that same problems resurfaced. You said right? Well, yeah. I mean, I had a lot, I had enough time off. I I still kept putting out records. I I did a solo album. I did the World Under Blood record. I the acoustic album was my solo album. I did acoustic renditions of. Um, what I thought were our best songs. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the World Under Blood record, which is a different story of the, the way that the, the, the hypocrisy about the whole side project thing where we were going to decide to do si- side projects and then when somebody's didn't work out, side project plans were off. Right. Yeah. It's not working out for me. We're not doing it. So, okay, well, it is working out for me and it is working out for Jess. So you're kind of stuck here. So I got to ask you this too. Um uh, with Carver City, first of all, uh, I love that album. Uh, what's that? I love that album. That's my favorite album. It's the only one I can listen to. I think that that is your masterpiece. And now they're going in the press saying that they 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 put that in the same category as Answer Can Be Found. Pretend it didn't exist. Uh, that's just for, because they can't play the songs. <laughs> really? They can't. I swear to God. Is it true that you the truth? The truth from me. Okay. For them to to, to fucking punch out a, a fucking Car- Carver City or an Answer Can Be Found song? No way. Those those riffs are way too tech. Yeah. We started out with like. Did you cool actually have him list. use drum tra- tracks to uh, to make certain songs, samples? Say again. Uh, Jess has said yeah. that you made him record a drum sample that you had to then manufacture. Because at that point he was not. He didn't give a shit. He never gave a shit. He um, gave a shit, but liked to present himself as a fuck it kind of guy. Yeah. But he did give a shit. But um, yeah, I mean, he he wanted his favorite band was like Clutch, the simple rock groove, mm-hmm. you know. And then his complaint was always about my riffs not being four four time, and there's too many notes, and I don't know where this riff starts and when it repeats, and like it just started. Like I was getting more, I was trying to become more technical because I was getting bored of the guitar, in a sense that if I played certain frets and strings i wasn't happy with it because i'm trying to push yourself it, it, it's so hard to explain guitar player problems to people that don't play guitar so i don't want to bore them but i became um unsatisfied with what i was what i wrote for the first album okay Happier with the second. So you'd be on stage playing, I don't know, Sarah's Mask, and you'd be like, this is boring. I can't wait to get to a fucking tougher song. A riff, you know, where I have to, like, 
I'm building out this riff that I think is catchy and it might be just in my head. You know, I think it's catchy. I think it's technical. I'm singing it. And, you know, and these are, these are songs like Escape from Hellview and Flesh in the Gear and, yeah. and stuff that was technical, Suddenly Tragic, Familiar Realm, A Number One Roller Rager. Like That's these songs song, yeah. are not easy to play. Yeah. So of course you want to say, oh, those albums didn't exist. Okay, so that's why. Bullshit. Okay, all right, okay. Um, so uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is, so we, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you ended up marrying the girl from one of your favorite horror movies, yep. Felicia Rose. Felicia, yeah. Felicia, I'm sorry. Everybody does that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm assuming you guys met on the set of the sequel you guys did a cameo in. Yes. Now, does she know you're a rock star at this point, or did you have to like slide CDs under her door? And be like, uh, it was creepier than that. <laughs> oh, good. Um... <laughs> She didn't know, she doesn't know shit about music. She doesn't really care. She likes songs on the radio, you know. She's okay. not, she, it's just not her thing. Okay. So when I had my manager contact s- somebody on the set of the movie mm-hmm. saying, you know, at first I sent a tape in of me uh, wanting to have the part of Mickey, who's the, the, uh, the the cook in the kitchen. Yeah, you wanted a lead role. Speaking I wanted part. a role in the yeah. movie. I thought you guys that had was... one line. You like kicked someone off a ping pong table. I think I remember. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We kicked them off the. Ki- yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, I sent in a videotape of me auditioning for a role, and I thought that that was how I was going to get to meet her, and it didn't work. Apparently, no one saw my audition tape, mm. and no one ever did. So I got somebody in my management team to contact somebody over there where they were filming and they were like who what and then somebody on the crew of sleepaway camp knew who we were mm. so they were like yes oh my god if you could get cky here it would be so awesome all right like you don't even know who you're saying no to like yeah. it was a fan like we we had some fans on the set so next thing we know we're flying out to the set and that's how I insinuated myself onto that. Okay, and how, but how do you meet her? Because I'm, I'm, I, I like uh, because you, you I used to get services? my brother to. <laughs> I forced my brother, my little brother, to call her. What? <laughs> yeah, I had her number through. This is gonna be crazy. Jonathan Tiersten plays Ricky in Sleepaway Camp. Uh-huh. He's opposite Felissa Rose. They're uh-huh. the stars of the movie. A friend of Chad's dated him in the '80s. Okay. Through her, I got his phone number. Who gave me her phone number? Oh Jesus! This is like some, yeah. Can God. you believe this shit? I'm telling you, you, <laughs> you dream be on a list. You dream it, it happens. I guess so. My brother, I gave him you her. Obsess it, it happens. Yeah. If you do, you, you ask the universe for what you want, and you get it. My brother asked for um, my brother. I told my brother to call Felissa Rose, and he did, and she thought he was me. Mm-hmm. So the first time I actually spoke to her was on the set of the movie because. My brother talked to her the whole time pretending mm-hmm. he was me. Okay. Because I'm no good on the phone. Mm-hmm. I, especially if I'm talking to a, my crush. I mean, I, yeah. my childhood crush. I'm not going to be able to say, hi there. You know, I'm so, he was, my brother was really good at being like, you know, cool on the Well, because he had no skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a pole once in that Once you're emotionally invested, you're going to get tongue-tied. Yeah, yeah, I was emotionally invested, so. Okay. Um, and the band helped me out when I got there, you know. And yeah. 
You weren't just Joe Schmo, first acting <laughs> role. It's Johnny like, Tiersten, help me out. I do know Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just to throw that out there. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to big league here. But she may have not even known who Metallica was. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, I mean, she was not... Being a rock star but you did guys not impress it, but her. you guys hit it off just immediately, or...? Immediately. I, I could say yes, immediately. Wow. And we kind of, like, hid from each other... At first, like I was like way too like embarrassed and self conscious, which is par for the course for me. Mm-hmm. And the guys were like telling her that what I <laughs> Oh my god, you guys were doing a middle school thing like oh, you know my guitar player likes you. You know, this is twenty four, twenty five, it's not twenty six yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still you know, a little bit So let me ask you this. Like it seems like she's probably big on the horror convention scene. Oh my every weekend. Every she's weekend. Going every weekend. Uh, oh so here's the thing. Those I'm a huge horror fan. Mm-hmm. Even for me, me those sound or look very annoying to be part of. Uh, maybe. Oh, don't tell her that. She loves it. She loves it. She loves like, it. Sydney- it's a lot of hard work, and she comes home exhausted. But she loves giving every single fan what they want. Now, let me ask you, because um, I mean, obviously, you do fan meet and greets after your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Everyone knows that the more famous you get, the more f- annoying fan interactions can probably get. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, like I know, like uh, Doyle from the Misfits came out. and was like, I don't want to do these anymore. Yeah. People are so annoying. And I've watched people like uh, interact with the, their favorite rock stars. They're like, you weren't on the first album. Like, I know that, sir. Move along. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm guilty of that too. I hate to say it, but yeah, people don't understand that this is a day by day by day by day by day thing and if you have the flu or you just got bad news or you had a bad show or you're too fucking drunk to talk to anybody you know i can remember being sick and like just saying i gotta get the fuck out of here what and is... fans would witness that and all of a sudden i'm a dick oh yeah they're on reddit they're on, they're on twitter going Whatever darren miller's on. a dick i don't even know what reddit is to mm. be honest i you don't want to know i'm saving you from that i have my facebook and and i think i might have an instagram i'm not a social media so uh, let me ask you this is like what is your most annoying fan interaction or question i had this girl who insisted that she was gonna be my wife you know, are you already married at this point doesn't really matter that's still creepy either way uh i think i was i was felissa and i got married very quickly after Mm -hmm. we met each other so it might have been it went on for a while i don't want to say her name probably because i forgot it okay but there is a name in my mind but let's just say that me and this girl were not gonna be did she stalk you or it was well she came to every show I mean, I can't really consider that, that stalking if really. she buys a ticket. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, have you had any, uh, or you or your wife had any scary fan things go on? Yeah, there was a video. There, yeah, a couple of years ago, there was a video of um, a carload of people driving by our house, screaming Angela and Darren. Oh my God! Come outside. Did you hear them in the house, or were you go? Uh, no, I saw gone? the video. And it was our house. And I contacted that girl. I was like, get that the fuck off the internet. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, our address. I mean, I don't, I'm not afraid of that stuff. You know, um, I understand it to a point. What is, um, everyone has a certain statement or question that they find the most annoying. Like, I don't have fans coming up to me, but people come up to the other shows having just seen me on stage and they, they have to tell me, uh, everyone tells me I should do comedy. What, what, what's your, like, where do you get your jokes? What is your question or statement where people uh, say to you that makes you roll your eyes? Where's Bam? Ooh, really? Yeah. Where's Bam? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, are you still in contact with him, by the way? No. Did you? We were sp- best friends. Did you guys? Sp- did, did you splitting the band hurt that relationship? I have no idea because I don't know that side of it. Okay. Wasn't he me. just never talked to you again? Stop talking to me. In fact, would, he, would you call him and he wouldn't call back? I never called him. Okay. Well, what happened well, was, Bam and I were best friends when I lived in Westchester, and I and he knows damn well I'm telling the truth. We are best fucking friends we would talk about shit that had nothing to do with pranks and jokes and all that stuff we were talking about real life and personal stuff and it stayed that way for how many years probably i haven't seen him in since 2015 that was the last time you he saw came him over to his house him and nikki came over and he was having problems I'm still then. finding cigarette butts in the backyard <laughs> from that trip yeah okay. he came over and he just stopped. And it was obviously, he says, I, I, I'm aware of, of some of what he's going through right now. Okay. Um, like I still obviously have ties to, to him and people that talk to him, talk to me. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I, I don't know what exactly is going on. I've, I've seen bits and pieces and it's not the person that I knew. Okay. But somebody told me that he doesn't talk to me anymore because um, I said in an interview that he outlived his own death. Which is, is true? something that I would never even... That's clever. It's very clever. That's pretty clever, <laughs> but I didn't... I would fucking take credit for that in a second. I couldn't come up with that. I uh, The best I could probably say is like, I know he's not on a very good path you've had your own struggles with oh alcohol. yeah you've yeah. been public about my, it you, i'm very public about all my problems because they help people yeah you know when did I, you start like toning it down with your own drinking because i know um, that you only drink once a, once a week now. when right? the kids came around once okay. a week yeah okay. i might have you know my wife and i we have a bottle of wine between us once a week okay all with right. dinner when i when i cook you know i'm a cook i cook yeah. dinner for everybody i make pasta awesome and you know that's it so he, he I was heard... never an alcoholic. I just liked it, mm-hmm. but I stopped. Okay. It's like, I don't have the, that, that addictive personality where, I mean, I smoked for like 15 years, a pack a day, and then just stopped. Okay. And it's just like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I don't want to smoke anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like just that, that alcohol thing. When I started on the Carver City tour, when it got to its worst, I was gaining weight. I looked like shit. I was playing like shit. I had to throw up every morning. It was it was a routine. Get up, throw get up at five p.m., throw up, get on stage, drink, and repeat. Mm-hmm. But when the blood came out, Ooh. I was like, okay, we got to uh, get this under control. Yeah. So you haven't tried to reach out to Bam or anything like that. Uh, you know what? I told Joe. I told Joe Franz. I was like, what should I do? And he was like, dude, nothing. I was like, should I call? He's like, no. Okay. So he's probably not in a place to hear from you right now. I don't know what place he's in. Okay. okay. I, I just. It's fair enough. It's it's beyond like uh, I'm not trying to deal with somebody that I'm that's going through a divorce. Yeah. He's this is something I've never seen before. Yeah, and it's just so different from the, from the guy you knew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't scary. recognize it. I don't even recognize that kind of behavior and in that, anybody else. And that goes, plus, I'm not privy to it. I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. So I just. When you think back about the, um, I was I was looking at a, a picture of the old CKY crew. Mm-hmm. You're all sitting on a in a, on a truck somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's your band. It's the original crew. 
Uh, when you think of that time in your life, what kind of what kind of emotions does it bring back? Is it is it one of happiness, nostalgia, indifference? Indifference. Indifference. Yeah. It's just not part, it's of, part your of the life. past. Part of the past. You don't care because um, I'm always motivated to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't view things as oh that's done and I already did it and I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I always look to the future and want to keep going and want to progress and want to build. Yeah. I'm a builder of things, not houses or schools or whatever. I'm a builder of like, so I start a project and I want to take it somewhere, you know? And, and I think that we exhausted that band and realized it was going downhill. Even if I was in that band right now, I think it would, it would just be, like kicking a dead horse yeah it would be it it wasn't getting any bigger so when I noticed that the crowds were leaving and people started to see it as something that was kind of stale that was one of the very many things that made me say "All right, I gotta get into something else okay so I started doing a couple movies and acting Mm -hmm. and like you know just fucking around with that I did an acoustic record and then I found a new band the 96 Quite Bitter Beings. 96 Bitter Beings. Being bitter Just to beings. make it shorter. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It, it, was t- it was a lot to come out of my own mouth there. Um, <laughs> so since you named that after arguably one of um, your, uh, your Definitely bands, one you, of the biggest. The biggest CKY. hits. Is this your way of saying this is the real CKY or this is a continuation of CKY? There's like, no bitterness to it. I mean. Except in the name. The name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. I wasn't even thinking that. Um what it is basically is that I wanted to keep in touch with the fans that started in the beginning, but I also wanted to start fresh and gain a new following that wasn't familiar with something that I hadn't done in five years. Mm-hmm. So um, the sound and the music and the style I took with me and 96 Quite Bitter Beings, man, that the checks for those songs and and the the... the passion that people have for that song and i see people playing that riff trying to play yeah, the riff tried. nailing the riff i tried everything you know that song is what pay puts food on the table literally like you're still seeing, seeing I, it's stream it has like something like combined like 50 million streams or something like that yeah. so i wanted it to be Ten of them were from me <laughs> <laughs> i wanted it to be like a not like a wink. Yeah, a wink. So it's a it's a wink. And a do nod. you guys still play? Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to see you guys play live. Uh, do you still do old CKY songs? It's like sixty percent. Good. And then uh, so it's like when Ozzy left Black Sabbath, he still did Iron Man. It's exactly that. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yes, it, and it's it, ninety six bitter beings is like Ozzy's exit from Black Sabbath. Yeah, it's like I'm going to create some new stuff. I'll make some new classics. But Same in vocals. the meantime, yes, yeah, here's the stuff you love. Right. Same okay. style. Although, yeah, I was responsible for the songwriting and the guitar playing and the singing. So that's a big chunk of the iceberg that got cut off there. We got to wrap it up soon because we're getting kicked out of our studio in about okay. five minutes. I so told I you it would go on too long. <laughs> I want to ask you this. If uh, if you could go back and uh, do something different, would you? Yeah. What's that? Um, I wouldn't have gotten so wasted on stage that I let down fans in uh, Vermont. Um, been shitty at Christmas shows. <laughs> um, I definitely owe those those people a kick-ass show when 96 Bitter Beings comes back around on tour next mm-hmm. year. Next year's when you're going to come back. You yeah, going to San yeah. Diego? We're going to Europe. 
We're doing U.S. and uh, putting out the record. Okay. Synergy Restored. Okay. And Campaign is out now. Campaign. I love that record, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, Darren, it's nice talking to you, man. You too, man. It was a lot of fun. Wow, learned a lot of stuff there. Very interesting, uh, especially for a band that I had, i got to admit, <laughs> not heard of before this again. Let's See, at right least off. I've heard of them. Yeah, I, that's true. But that was an absolutely fantastic. As usual, Ryan did a great job up there. For those of you guys who are wondering, we will have a regular episode next week after this interlude, so uh, come on back for that. And of course, once again, please mark your calendars for Monday, November 18th for the Big Fight of Fights, where Ryan will be facing other comedian Damian Mercado, and Dave and I will be the announcers for that. That's going to be just a... I, I can't wait, Dave. I, yeah. I want to do it's this so badly. So much fun, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the the interesting part will be seeing how much we can mock the comedians without them realizing that they were actually making fun of them. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've already been practicing. That's a right cross, I think. <laughs> that was an attempt at a right cross. <laughs> he throws what could only be described as a curious attempt to pitch a baseball at the other guy. <laughs> I don't know if it was a kick, but he lifted his leg. All right. Oh, and uh, one last thing. For those of you that went to our Flat Earth debate, mm. if you enjoyed that and yeah. if you want to see two Bobby... Years ago now. Yeah, it's been a while. But if you thought that was fun and you want to see Bobby debate someone else in a different aspect of pseudoscience, mm -hmm. please let us know. I think, Dave, you were, you were looking I, at a climate yeah, denier, right? I had an idea in mind. I have a, an opponent for you, but I don't know if we have enough interest. So yeah. if you would like to see that, if you'd like to come out to another live debate... Let us know. Yep, and I am always down to do science debates, creationism, global warming, flat earth, the popularity of the band CKY. Whatever it is, I will do a science <laughs> debate on it. Uh, so yeah, let us know, because if you guys are actually interested in doing it, then we will start putting that together. I think Dave actually has a few opponents in mind. And Dave, this might be a thing we do more regularly. Maybe we just start setting up science-type debates as large comedy shows. We'll get an opener. <laughs> the and then at the end, you guys can fight. Yeah. <laughs> giant inflatable we'll put all these events together <laughs> perfect all right guys thanks for coming back for degenerates i hope you enjoyed the interview with the lead singer from cky and for myself ryan shores and dave callens go twos cruising Motherfucking time is passing by